0: readers welcome to 20 questions with your favorite author where we ask authors important questions like why would you agree to be on this podcast i'm kelly lynn colby editorial director at Curse dragonship publishing our guest this week is edward j knight writer of the mythic west stories though a fourth generation coloradoan edward left to launch things into space four satellites later he returned to both the mountains and writing fantastical fiction if he's not your favorite now he will be after. Yay! Welcome, Yay! Ed. How are you this fine evening? I'm doing pretty
1: well. So,
0: excellent, excellent. Well, I think if everyone who's on here, welcome, welcome. Please put your questions in the chat. We would love to ask Ed all of your burning questions. And I get to start, though, since I'm the host, I get the privilege. So you ready for the fun stuff?
1: Let's go for it.
0: All right. So first, where do you get your ideas?
1: Well, I'm going to steal from Kevin J. Anderson a few weeks ago. Don't we all? We all do. It's okay. Getting the ideas is not hard. It's triaging them. That's the pain. They, they're everywhere, and then you have to sit and do, down and do. Hmm, is that one worthwhile being a story? I need something else, so I'll put that one aside and come back to it. Until you get two or three elements, and you go, okay, now I've got a story. I've got a couple. I've got two or three things that I can put together into something that'll last. <laughs> so the ideas are easy. It's the combination that's always the challenge. So excellent.
0: Yes, it's always troubleshooting. Triage, I like that triage. Did he say that? I don't think he did. So I think- He, he used did
1: to... not, that is See? my term.
0: That's right. So. That's what we do in writers. We take other people's ideas and we approve upon them. Give them their own, mm-hmm. our own spin. Give so them their own words. speaking of KJA, who has
1: inspired you along the way? Ooh, um, so uh, in terms of pure on craft, um honestly the first one that really got me going was Stephen bruce because i got i picked up the gerag novels and i was like oh wow this is this is this is what i want to do <laughs> um i don't know if you're familiar with those or not but uh those are pick up finish in a single night set down and then do it again until the spine breaks type novels i've really enjoyed those and then um also on the craft side mm-hmm. um i uh really got into um Bujold, and who? Uh, Lois McMaster Bujold. Okay, who is that? Um, Lois McMaster Bujold wrote the uh, the Vorkosigan novels, the science fiction uh, mm-hmm. with Miles Vorkosigan. I'm gonna have oh, to look those. Up. You're gonna have to look those up. She's yeah. got a large number of Hugo's and such.
0: Nice. Um,
1: she's a uh, it's space opera, and it mm-hmm. is done well. Yeah. <laughs> um, she also did what is my favorite fantasy book of all time, which is The Curse of Chalion*. Um, which might be pronounced *Chalion*. It's uh, the, the, the magic system that made the most sense to me in terms of how the gods work and such. It was like, wow, uh, this is something that, that fits. It's, it's a very simple system. So I stole Excellent. it. <sighs> Of well, course. there
0: you go. It works. See, we talked about this. This is how writers work. Well, since you talked about that, you said you're a fan of tightly constructed universes and smart plots. So yeah. what fictional creation do you think embodies those qualities?
1: Um, the Curse of Chalion is, ob- is the easiest one to point to in terms of the absolute type plot and the, uh, and the world. Because it's set up with there are five gods and the gods can't work in this world, in the world where the humans are. Mm. The only way they can have their magic is if a person opens their heart and their soul up so that the God can work through them. Mm. And the way she's plotted those books, you get to the end and you're like, oh, here were all the signposts all the way along that I didn't see until now. That's and clever. And it's the only way it could have it ended the way it is right now. So those are things I've really, really enjoyed. So.
0: I love those. It's like, when you get to the ending, it's obvious, but you didn't see any of it. You're like, but of course.
1: <laughs> but of course it had to have come that way.
0: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so the, it's easier for me to point to non, non, uh, tightly plotted stories, the, the movies, particularly the movies, you go, no, nobody mm-hmm. would have done that. Th- yeah. There's no way that would happen. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: I do um, that a lot.
1: A, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's one that my wife and I do. When we go to a movie or a play, we often pick it apart on the way back. No, that wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have happened. So we have to figure out why we liked it. And if we don't have any of those, if we can't pick it apart, then then it was golden.
0: That's fantastic. Um, Let's see. We have Stephen and McFly jumped in. And I want you to know, Stephen loves Westerns. So he's been Ah. waiting for you to pop on, let me tell you. He saw your covers. He's like, wait, wait, are those Westerns?
1: (laughs) I'm I'm (laughs) sorry. As soon as they saw it was Westerns, I'm pretty sure it was Tater and D Wayne in the chat, not Stephen and McFly. Oh,
0: that's that's very possible. That's that's very possible. They have alter egos. So uh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I can see that as being possible. But Dave has a question about that. So what is your favorite Western movie, show or book that you think not enough people know about?
1: Ooh, that not enough people know about? You can answer both questions. That's hard to say. So So my favorite Western is actually Unforgiven. Oh, nice. I I just think that that's, I mean, it's it's a bit of a downer of a movie, but man, is it tightly written and and tightly acted. It's just really nice along those lines. Um, After that, you start getting into some of the silly ones. Um, You know, Blazing Saddles. Um, paint your wagon. Those are two that I've always enjoyed in terms of the westerns. So, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them are just popcorn. Just you know, mm-hmm. put it I'm on. Just fun watch, to sit through. Pop- yeah, just fun to sit through.
0: That's funny. My son, we talked about him earlier. He's the 19 year old. He went through like this spaghetti Western phase where he just like watched one after another, after I'm like, you're 19. He's like, mom, they're awesome. I'm like, they're slow. He's like, no, they're awesome. You just don't have any <laughs> patience, mom. I'm like, well, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're naming, they're naming all their favorite in here too. Uh, Dave agrees. Unforgiven's one of his favorites. And let's see, we've got tombstone. You mentioned 310 to Yuma, true grit, Like one after another Maverick. That's funny because, you know, you're naming all of these movies that have original movies and remakes. And I think I've only seen the remake of all the ones they just mentioned. Hmm. I don't know if Tombstone, does Tombstone have an original? Or is it just a Kurt Russell? I mean, the OK Corral has been told over and over again, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That is a good question. We'll have to ask the audience. They're so excited. I just want you to know that. Um, so let's let's dive into it. Because I have you created your series is called the Mythic West, right? And so, how would you describe this world? Like, what's the sales
1: pitch? So the sales pitch is um, uh, cowboys fight monsters, basically. Um, the universe operates under the simple premise that you can open a rift to other worlds, and The um, Confederates did that at Andersonville at the end of uh, the civil war and they screwed up and they opened it to Jotunheim. Whoops. And so all sorts of fun stuff started pulling, pouring through Uh, the Jotunheim giants. There's trolls, there's dwarves and a a dragon or two came (laughs) through that rift. And so um, all of the history is extrapolated from that point. It's, it's, historical fantasy in the sense that up to 1865, it's the world we know. Mm -hmm. And in 1865 on, well, now you've got the Jotunheim giants that have conquered the South and a good fraction of the union. Um, And they got defeated in the, in this, um, in the battle of golden city, Colorado, The, 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 the remaining army of the humans lured them along the Platte river to the golden city between the Platte, the north and south table mesas where they had set up cannons on top because cannons can destroy giants Nice. and i picked that for a couple of reasons one is um golden city is down the road for me it's now golden colorado with the current (laughs) name and uh it turns out that billy the kid was in colorado at 10 years old and that's exactly when that battle would have occurred and i'm like oh that's one of those i've got a nice fun premise of giants fighting, you know, fighting giants with cowboys. Uh I've got a character, a historical character that was in the right place at the right time. And Oh yeah, the, um, the hotel that I use as my base of operations, the uh, Astor house, is a real hotel that was there and is now a museum in golden city. So it was easy to do a lot of first person research. And so that's That's where that part came from. And (laughs) that point becomes extrapolation of what, what monsters and what, uh, fun do you want to have from there so
0: well that leads to my next question because i see you've got like calamity jane is mentioned bill hickok billy the kid all of these are mentioned or characters in your mythic west novels how much research did you do on the real people before you started to write the fiction
1: um it varied from place to place um billy the kid i did a fair amount of research but because he was 10 when my alternate universe splits I had a lot of freedom to take him a different direction than the way he went historically. Um, I also did the Billy, the Calamity Jane, and the Wild Bill Hickok research, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't spend as much time on Calamity Jane because, um, not a big spoiler, I, I kill her in the pre- prologue. Oh, <laughs> so it wasn't worth spending a lot of time researching researching her, other than finding out that, according to her, she really did have a romance with Wild Bill Hickok. Mm-hmm. And um, some of her backgrounds that when I wrote her, I could get her somewhat accurate in terms for the few number of pages that, that she was there. Um, most of my research ends up going into the uh, um, the geography and some of the, the other things. You know, the number of times I've spent looking up um, would they have matches, and what would those be like in this period? Um, what would their clothing be like? Um, What was the actual name of Casper, Wyoming in um, 1871? That's where a lot of the research ends up being done. And sometimes I miss it. And then you uh, play it off or you... Go back and correct it in the next edition. So
0: then you could just say, it's alternative, it's, a, it's alternative history, people. Things things are a little different. At least that's what I'm hoping is going to save me. I'm doing the same thing. I cannot tell you how many old maps of Chicago I've looked at, at least. You know, I'm like, wait, <laughs> where's this? Wait, but it's... <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah, But, you know, that's the fun part. It's procrastination that's actually useful for the writing career. I like it.
1: It leads to some interesting rabbit holes. That's um, true. <laughs>
0: And suddenly, you have this whole chapter you have to cut later because you did all this research, gosh dog, on it.
1: Or you end up you end up doing all the research, and you come back and you're like, "Really? I spent, I bought the books, and then I spent my time on. It. I, I I'm doing research for my next the the sequel to Gunslinger, which will be a book called Ghost Hunter, and it's set in St. Louis. Nice. And I needed there to be caves underneath St. Louis, and by gum, there are a lot of caves underneath St. Louis. That's why there are breweries in there because it was a natural coolant for the beer. So all of these brewmasters went to St. Louis because there are all these natural caves that they could keep their beer cool in after they brewed it before they distributed it. And there's somebody from there's a a book that a woman wrote in the 1970s of her and her husband exploring all these caves. And I'm like, oh, it's out of print and it's 60 bucks used and I gotta have it. <laughs> I got to have it.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's irreplaceable research right there.
1: Yeah. Short of going out to St. Louis, exploring some of those caves myself, which, uh, well, COVID kicked in, so it's not something we can do real easily.
0: And even then, you're going to get the tourist version, right? They actually explored, explored, so it's still going to be different.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, a lot of the caves that they explored are ones that have since been sealed up for one reason or another. Even better. As
0: in, to have that book. I'm with you. So, if you yeah. need support from the writing community, we're with you. You need that book for research. It's required. Uh-huh. Let's see. Oh. Yeah, Jacob Jacob says they they have to stop in St. Louis now. It's required.
1: Uh-huh. So,
0: on their way out west, they're going to stop in St. Louis. Explore some yeah. caves.
1: That's right.
0: Um, let's see. With uh, if you could write in any world that wasn't your own, which world would that be?
1: Um, I'd love to write Bujold's World or Bruce's World. I've mentioned both of them before Mm -hmm. um, because of how much I've really enjoyed playing with them. Um, The other one um, that I would would have a lot of fun doing is actually a KJA, um, Kevin J. Anderson novel. He did one with Sarah Hoyt where they did an alternate history that's set in the Lewis and Clark expedition. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, your magic system's completely different than mine, but, oh, that would be a fun time period to back up and do do some alternate history and some with some magic and have some fun.
0: Mm-hmm. have some crossover characters. Yeah.
1: So that was fun one.
0: That would be fun. So, how do you go from putting satellites into orbit to writing about the old west?
1: Cuz I needed something to do that was a different part of my brain. <laughs> so, um Aerospace has been very satisfying and I was got and when I st- got into aerospace completely by accident mm-hmm. um, uh, after I was in aerospace for a couple of years I said well, you know what I want to do as, as an aerospace engineer is be the chief engineer on a satellite that goes in orbit mm-hmm. and I did that and once I did that it was like well now what and I'd been writing a- as a hobby off and on off and on and then I got to the point where a lot of us do where we start well, let's send a short story out for submit it and see what happens. Right. And then let's collect the rejection slips. And we keep sending them even though we're getting a lot of rejection slips. Part of the deal. And uh, at that point it was like, well, I'm actually enjoying the hell out of this a lot more than I am enjoying some of the satellite stuff. So <laughs> Let's do it a little more.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, if you yeah. can take it, even being rejected, then you know you're on the right path.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and part, part of it too was, you know, you talk about the switch in the genres. My problem with science fiction is that I know too much. <laughs> mm. And so it's, you know, space opera is okay because that's its own thing. But hard mm. sci-fi, you know, if it's not at the, the Weir's Martian level, mm. I'm going to pick apart. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to go someplace else where I don't have that knowledge and I have to go do the the fun stuff. And I, I'm i not going to spend my entire time second-guessing what you can grow on, this, on Mars. I'm going to be second-guessing Okay, how many bullets is that, what's the range on that rifle?
0: <laughs> it's more fun that way. What, what you don't know doesn't hang you up, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I know like people like in the medical field can't watch medical dramas, you know, that kind of thing. So that actually makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, let's see, why did you decide to move from self-publishing, because the first two mythic books are self-published, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. why did you move from self-published, that psychic and sharpshooter, to publishing with... Um, a small press for Gunslinger?
1: Um, education, learning stuff. Um, there will be a third book in the in the Billy the Kid series, which is Sidekick, Sharpshooter, and then there'll be Scout, which will come out this summer. Nice. But Gunslinger was a spinoff with a new character, with, um, with uh, Beth, who is, she was a minor character in the first book. Mm-hmm. And I realized when she needed her own book that I could therefore take her to a small publisher and mm-hmm. I wanted to learn a hell of a lot. And I have been, you know, it's been, it's been really educational and really kind of fun working with Marie and, um, the crew there Mm -hmm. in terms of what it takes to put together a book that I didn't already know. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot I didn't know that I've learned in the process of that. Yeah. Marie's pretty
0: awesome. She's at WordFire press for those who don't know. She's incredible.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I kind of see straddling the line as the way to go on that. Mm -hmm. Um, it also helps, you know, to have somebody else who says they, they believe in you that isn't related to you. Yes.
0: Yes. And plus, hybrid's the way to go, right? Your own audience and WordFirePress is going to have a different audience. And you're going to. So it, it makes sense. I was just wondering why you did it. So because it makes sense. That's why you did it. Yeah, it's clever. Um, let's see. Convention season's about to start. And it looks like we might be having a modest one. Which is better than no conventions. So I'll take a modest oh. season over none. Um, do you have any event that you'd love to attend as an author?
1: This is where I get to go. Um, I don't go to very many events. I, I've gone to Superstars mm-hmm. and I wasn't doing any of the conventions or anything before that because I was so buried in my work and in the family stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's been interesting, you know, through superstars and like listening to some of your stuff talking about Dragon Con, going, Oh. There are all these other things out there. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I might have to pay attention to them.
0: Especially you're in Colorado. There's a ton of stuff out there and some just over the border in Utah too.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I wasn't planning on doing any of them, but when I, but superstars was the first, I got lured into that because of the, okay, I'm ready to start doing novels and I I need to know more on the business side than I know. Mm -hmm. And Gosh, it's two hours away. So how can you pass that up?
0: <laughs> you can't say no to that. So, That's yeah. fantastic. yeah, the the conventions, and plus since you're being um, published through Wordfire, you should be able to like be at their booth if they're at the convention. you know what I mean? Yeah. So you should be able to share space there.
1: we We talked about that early on, and then when mm-hmm. COVID hit, we you know it, it, yeah, it, it, we stopped talking about it. so mm-hmm. um, it's coming back. We shall God, return. I'm so looking forward to this to be me over.
0: Yes, <laughs> we, we all are.
1: are.
0: Counting the moments. My son got his first shot today. So yay, we're getting closer to full family immunity. Cool. So um, what is the first thing you want to do when it is safe to do things again?
1: Whew. Um, grab my wife and. Go to the uh, hotel and have somebody else watch the kids. <laughs> At first I was like, oh, how
0: detailed is he going to get? <laughs> I need to get away from the children. I understand that.
1: <laughs> no, I love the children who are probably watching this. but oh, um,
0: love love is, has nothing to do with it.
1: <laughs> well, one of the things that my, my brother-in-law has done in the past is he's given us gift certificates for overnight babysitting. Nice. I found that that's it's good for them. They get to have a lot of fun hanging out with their Funkel. Mm-hmm. And, and um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, my wife and I get to have you know, a chance to reconnect as a couple and not oh. as a, you know, co-parents. And mm-hmm. so that's been really nice for us. that will so, be great. Yeah. Count
0: it down, man. Count it down. So. Let's see. <laughs> um, I was looking at the chat. They were talking about my son, too. Let's see. They, they met him at Dragon Con. See, we definitely uh-huh. are Dragon Con people around here. Anyone who listens to the podcast at this point. <laughs> what, is, what hobbies do you enjoy to refill your creative cup?
1: Well, um, there's a little bit of a problem there because I tend to do the workaholic thing. So when I'm blowing off to relax, it's iPad mm-hmm. games. Um, okay, a, lot of of mm-hmm. a lot of Sentinels in the multiverse. A lot of... Uh, through the ages, um, right now, my son and I are doing a SimCity together where oh, I do all the production and then he. I, I hand it to him and say, okay, buy stuff. What are we buying? <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is your job. What, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah. Um, we do a lot of board games. Um, oh, yes. my, um, my son and his Funkle are very big board game people. And so um, dad is closer than the Funkle who's up in Fort Collins about two hours away. Mm. so um and my actually my sister and her family are also big into board games too um so that tends to be one that we tend to do a lot of um but after that you know there's some reading um and there's a lot of you know day job family right sleep repeat
0: (laughs) (laughs) repeat do again one more time yeah yeah. Sometimes we try to squeeze it all in, and there just isn't enough time. Uh, what project that's in progress or not started are you most excited about?
1: I've got two that are in uh, progress, almost done. I've got Scout, which is going to be the third Billy the Kid book, and it is—it was almost done at the end at the end of February, and then March happened. <laughs> and um. March was hell. It's getting better. Go ahead. Um, so, so I'm looking forward to that one. That one's going to be okay. Billy the Kid and mm-hmm. the uh, the Black Hills dwarf, the the Deadwood Dwarves. So you went from giants it, to dwarfs. I there's gonna it's dwarves in Deadwood, South Dakota. How funny! And then, um, but the other one that I'm, I'm excited about is the one I mentioned earlier, Guns uh, Ghost Hunter, which is the mm-hmm. sequel to Gunslinger. Um, nice. And Ghost Hunter is. Um, Beth and wild Bill Hickok going to St. Louis um, to investigate um, people who have died after encounters with ghosts, which is not supposed to be possible. Right. So I'm going to explore a lot of that. So Hmm. I'm looking forward to, um, I've got that one about a quarter of the way written and and Beth's just a fun character. Um, She's, she's fun. So I'm looking forward to getting back with her and, and, and taking things uh, into St. Louis and seeing how that goes with her. So. That'll
0: be cool. She's yeah. going to drink a lot of beer. There wasn't a, a 21 age limit back then. She'll, she'll be fine.
1: She'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So.
0: If you could have your dream pet, what would it be?
1: Ooh, um, We're not animal people per se. I know it's a sacrilege in some quarters, either dog or cat people. So if I were actually going to have a pet, we'd have to go all the way to a dragon.
0: Excellent. So. Take a dragon out. Oh, apparently you're going to have to dig your way to that other world so that you yeah. can grab one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe a small one, though. You know, a smallish one. Oh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. We just wrapped up. It's funny you talked about board games because we just wrapped up uh, Easter weekend, uh-huh. and which for us means um, eating cinnamon rolls and uh, playing board games. That's what we do for uh, Easter. Cool. So we used to go see a movie, but obviously new, new things now. And right. we played Ascension, we played Ticket to Ride. So we had a question here. What are your go-to board games?
1: Ooh, um, we've done some Ticket to, to Ride, but we do the, uh, the Rails and Sales one. my oh, nice. fun's got that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the go-to, God, there's only about 70 or 80 games up there to pick from. Right. So it's whatever one we haven't played lately. Um, you know, this last week we did um, my son and I did Memoir Forty Four. We did the Sentinels board game with the tiles and moving. Um, and we did um, with the with my daughter. We also did Sleeping Queens. We've done um, Rat Attack Cat a fair amount. That, that's an easy one to do as a family. Um, yeah, that's just the last week. Nice. Uh, so.
0: So that's what you do. That's your creative space there. That's family yeah. times board games. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't let them just play their Switch all the time. Jeez. I mean, what kind of parent that's are true. you? They could just <laughs> stick their head in the screen and be fine. Uh-huh. Right? So so yeah. I've been told. I'm glad we didn't have the Switches when my children were little. Um, technically, they had Game Boys at that time.
1: Well, the Switch is new. The Switch know. showed up in January when the uh, kids came to us and they said, we want this. We'll use our money. We figured out how much it costs, including tax and where it's on sale. And here's the games we want. And those are on sale and we can oh, afford no. it. And we're like, ah. Oh, how okay. do you say
0: no to that? They did their research, man.
1: Well, and their cousins also have a switch so they can do the online with them. And oh, so that, is- that was one where it was like, okay, you can't go hang out with your cousins unless it happens to be a sunny day in the park. Mm-hmm. So we will, we'll make this work.
0: Excellent. So what's your favorite holiday tradition? It doesn't have to be Easter, any holiday tradition.
1: Um, that's hard to say because it, the one that I've always enjoyed was going to my friend Caroline's Halloween party. Mm-hmm. Not so much for my dressing up because that doesn't do much for me, but because of watching what somebody who's so into it can do, you know, the person she's she, she goes all out, she decorates, she's got original costumes, and of course, the rule is that if you show up without a costume, she gets to put you in one because <laughs> she's got enough spares
0: <laughs> that could be fun.
1: But, um, one so just being able to enjoy somebody who is so into it that you know, she's got the paint paintings that she hangs up on Halloween that have the you move your head one way or the other, and it changes from a normal painting to a painter of picture of ghouls and such.
0: She's into and, it, man.
1: She's into it, and that's a lot of fun. Um, with within, uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. I think that's probably the the, the single holiday thing I have enjoyed the most. Um, the best. Plus you go to
0: someone else's house. You don't have to clean up. I mean, I like this. This is
1: a wonderful tradition. Yeah, I think the next one is watching some of the, ki- the the kids at Christmas. I mean, how do you beat that? They're still young enough that they're not that they're they're really into it, and that's that's a lot of fun. That's so cool. Yeah. Did, did you
0: hear that, children? He loves buying you presents. That's what I heard. <laughs> that's, that's totally what I heard. All yeah. right. now for our our important questions, such as, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream?
1: I knew this one was coming, and that's it's right. actually, you have to ask it's, it. It's actually not ice cream. It's gelato.
0: Ooh, it's
1: fancy. Grapefruit, gelato. There is a chocolate tree slash gelato place a few blocks from our house that does a grapefruit gelato that is to die for it's got the tartness of the grapefruit but it's sweet and it's cold and it's smooth and you know my son gave me a hard time because the last time we were there he's like i know what dad's getting um yeah duh. <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> I feel like it's not like i could get it in the store this is what i want
1: this is what i want so yeah
0: it's clever well it's the most unique answer we've had so far so good job what is the first thing you put in your grocery cart as an impulse buy donuts nice oh i love donuts Diet oh, diets suck okay what part <laughs> of your daily routine is an absolute must
1: um the one that's been impossible to break is um and it's a little strange but we'll, we'll go with it um, <laughs> I wake up way too early in the morning and um, I will crawl into the bathroom uh, off our master bathroom and I'll sit on the floor and I'll turn the space heater on next to me if it's cold. And that's when I fire up and do all my email and social media checks before I get into the shower. And part of the reason it's hard to avoid that is because it is the one time of the day that I guaranteed is mine because nobody else is getting up at that hour of the morning. So, oh, that's so you know, funny i've got an hour where i can it's completely alone time mm-hmm. i can clear the email out some more things i'm awake enough that i can actually write um i can hop through my various um uh um, sports sites and uh um others the, the everyday check sites mm-hmm. you know the blogs you check every day and then uh and about then, it's time to get in the shower and then go wake the kids up and get them started towards school.
0: <laughs> fantastic! You know, until you said that, I forgot because growing up in Chicago, we had the we had a heater on the ground, like it was the you know central heat, but it was it mm-hmm. was on the the ground right by the bathtub, and I used yep. to sit right on that trying to stay warm while I was waiting for the shower to warm up. <laughs> the things you forget! Not until you said that did I not even remember I used to do that. Plus, that I bathroom was the- purple. Oh. I don't mean the walls. I mean the bathtub and the toilet and the sink. Um, it was all purple.
1: That's a little scary.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you can afford to redo a bathroom and sometimes you get what you get. <laughs> and I was a kid. I thought it was awesome. I loved it.
1: So. You know, there was a time when we all thought that was awesome. Or at least our parents thought that was awesome.
0: Somebody, somebody paid to put that in. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, actually my brother's in right now and you're wanting the, just mentioning donuts for your impulse buy. Apparently it's a lot of people cause a lot of people want donuts now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, see, and my brother's on, he said he remembers sitting on the, on the heater vent too.
1: Well, so. we actually, that's where I kind of started the habit when I was a kid because the, the heating vent was in the wall right next mm. to the uh, tub. And so I would do that as a kid. And mm-hmm. then as I moved to an adult, it's like, well, the heating vent isn't there, but, I can afford a small space heater.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can make this work. It's funny. Oh, yeah. Well, in Houston, everything's in the ceiling because it's all about the air condition, not the heat. Yeah. So it's yeah. a little more difficult here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Well, that was fun. Uh, what? Yes. Ice cream, grocery, must. I loved your must. That's a new question, too. You're the first one to get that one. So good job. What is your least favorite chore around the house?
1: Menu planning. Mm. Uh, I, I, I suck at it so I've been um, single parenting since uh, the last Sunday in February um, oh my gosh
0: and, no wonder March was so hard
1: yeah um, so w- my wife left to go help out her mother who um, was hosp- hospitalized in December almost died, recovered has continued to get better is been at home and is actually now to the point where she can where it looks like she'll be able to live alone again. Oh, that's excellent. But, but my so my my wife went out to, my brother-in-law covered the first couple of months. And my wife went out at the at the, at the end of February. Mm-hmm. So I have been single parenting during a pandemic and my wife left 3 days before the kitchen remodel started. So, oh, single parenting in a pandemic with no kitchen not a good thing to do no
0: (laughs) how many times can you eat microwave burritos i mean there's a limit
1: um but it's amazing how often you can get takeout and reheat it in the microwave (laughs) that's true that's
0: true (laughs) but oh my gosh that's madness but you know good on your wife she's taking care of her of her mom like a good daughter and she gets to come home to a brand new kitchen i mean i think she worked that out well
1: I think she did, too. Yeah, so I think she she's should. almost certainly online here, too. So we'll she should comment.
0: She should comment. See, tell us how clever she is. Um, yeah. That was pretty, pretty clever planning there.
1: Yeah. But anyway, um, the process we've established that, you know, uh, my wife does the meal planning. Mm-hmm. And, and then and I suck at it. You know, I look at the meal plan, the meal planning I did last week. I'm like, well, we ate one of those meals. All the rest <laughs> of them were dad coming down from the office and being hungry and going, I feel like pizza so we're gonna have pizza tonight maybe we ought to get a salad so we can have some vegetables too and and you know so
0: i know sometimes i have a dinner planned and it's the same thing i'm too tired and usually it's not even i don't want to cook it's that i don't want to clean after so let's just get food
1: (laughs) well for me it's the decision making um you know Mm. i don't want to have to figure out what i want to do because by the time i realize by the time i'm hungry i don't I'm too hungry to think straight and I don't plan far enough ahead. So the way we divvied it up in the, in the household was to quote my son when he was much younger, she's the cooker. I'm the disher.
0: (laughs) Oh, but I wouldn't pay for that divide one way or the other actually, but no, that's, that's a good divide. Mm -hmm. Let's see. We have a, Yeah, the audience is having the same thing. They said, uh, Steven says he's dual parenting and it's hard for him to handle it some days. So you're getting gold medal from them. They're all impressed with you as well. They should be. Yes. Yeah, DoorDash. DoorDash has become a best friend for many of us. Many of us. Um, let's see. What? There was a question here. Oh, Jacob. Jacob wants to know what your favorite libation is.
1: Um, I'm into wine. Um... Oh nice Uh, beer was uh, never did much for me most hard alcohols you know I'm not a scotch is fine Mm -hmm. but good wine um, particularly into Italian reds and then some high-end cabernets Um, I've I've liked doing the wine tastings uh, wine flights um, and pairings Um, wine dinners are a lot of fun Mm -hmm. so um, if you were to pick a specific one my go-to is cake bread Cabernet, which is not a cheap bottle. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, cake, I, I got introduced to Cakebread Cabernet on my 30th birthday, and I'm 52, so that was a while ago. And so there's always um, a bottle or a case down in the basement for special occasions.
0: That's awesome. I've heard of cake bread. Now I can't put two and two together. My mother-in-law would be so disappointed in me right now.
1: They also do a great Chardonnay, but I'm a fan of the Cab.
0: Mm. Yeah, the only thing I can drink is Sauvignon Blanc because I can't drink anything that's been in a barrel. Isn't that weird? Okay. I know it's a weird. It's not. We couldn't figure out. We thought it was, you know, the sulfites that were giving me headaches, like everyone says. Except I had the same problem with white wine, and then we found out I could drink Sauvignon Blanc no problem. And then my huh. mother-in-law, who also she adores wine, um. And so she's, she's a, it's her thing, right? Like she's an expert on it. And so she went through it and she was like, wait, so Sauvignon Blanc's the only one you can drink. I'm like, yep. She's like, try this one. And it was a Chardonnay, but it happened to be an unoaked oaked Chardonnay.
1: Uh, okay. So I
0: tried that one and it didn't, and she didn't tell me it was unoaked, right? Scientific experiment. Huh. And, but it was my mother-in-law and I trust her and I'll drink it. No headache. Hmm. So it was really weird. Something about barrels. It's the same with liquor. So I can drink, I can't drink whiskey, bourbon, any of that stuff. I can drink rum till the end of time. I can drink silver tequila. I can drink like anything that has not been in a barrel. I can drink. If it's been in a barrel, can't do it. It's those odd things about our body that make no sense, but they just happen.
1: Oh, well, sorry. You're missing out on some of the stuff that uh, I really like. That's right.
0: I figured rum goes in about just about everything. It's fine. I'll live. Um, Let's see. I know. It's all good. That's right. I don't like beer either. My husband loves it. So um, I think I missed. Oh, here's one. What is your favorite meal? We're all on food now. Everyone must be hungry.
1: Oh. Um, so favorite's hard to judge. I'm going to go two directions on you in answering that. My comfort food right. is hot and sour soup. Oh, so, yes. Good ba- choice. Ba- bad day. We're going to have hot and sour soup. Nice. Um. But my favorite meals tend to be uh, when I think be ultra foodie and we can go to a restaurant where you can do a, a chef's choice tasting menu yes. um, where you can basically say, um, we've done this a couple of times. The Black Cat in Boulder is one of the ones that's fun to do it at. Where you walk in and you say, okay, I want five courses and here's what I don't eat and just bring me what the chef feels like making after that. And those are always so much fun. Just just to not know what you're getting. And it's always very good because it's what the chef felt really felt like doing right then. Mm-hmm. Those it's like. Just
0: like, what do I have? I'm going to make this. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's like a foodie's dream, right? That's a good choice. Yeah. We need to do that more. We haven't done that in a long time. So the last question, where can fans find you and your work?
1: So um, you can find, um, my website is edwardjknight.com, www.edwardjknight.com. Um right now you can get I'm gonna cheat and hold up the book because we're at that stage of it. That's not Gunslinger, cheating. Gunslinger. Gunslinger goes live tomorrow at mm-hmm. all of your favorite ebook retailers. And it's also through Wordfire Press. So And it's up for
0: pre-order uh, right now, so you can pre-order it now so you don't forget.
1: Yeah, it's uh and in a couple hours it'll it'll be regular order too. So
0: Woohoo.
1: So So exciting.
0: Congratulations.
1: Yeah.
0: And for everyone listening, that's night as in knigget, not night as in after day. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Please get Gunslinger. You're going to love it, especially all these Western fans we have. And um, check out Edward J. Knight. Make sure when you read it, you leave a review. It's the best gift that you can give your author. And please review us wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitch or subscribe on YouTube. Join us next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, where we will interview Anne Rose. She is a literary agent and writer. Thank you and see you then.